Whenever Kevin gets up and starts talking about the same thing we're going to talk about, and then worship lines up perfect with it. You know, it's kind of, you just get excited. I don't even know what God's going to do, but I'm excited about it, you know. So we're going to get into this together. We're going to be in Exodus 16 and then Numbers 11, uh, which some people say are contradictory. Some people say these are one of some of those scriptures that sometimes... Uh, People try to say disprove the Bible. You know, there's those controversial things in the Bible people say that don't line up. And uh, I love these things. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to go over a little bit as we go through that. So that way, if somebody ever says, well, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't line up. I'll explain that as we go. But that's not the message. uh, I do love these scriptures. I've done classes over the years for young adults before they go into college to teach them the things that are going to be thrown at them. So I like going over scriptures like this so they're prepared when they come at them. And uh, about half of the kids would always love that. You know, they love to see those things and to break it down and figure out why they don't contradict. And then the other half are like, I don't really care. Right? But but my favorite one was uh, Cameron Brown and I, we still do this. He'll still message me sometimes or I'll message him about scriptures and we'll break them down together. But his response to it at the end of one of our classes was, you know, the best part about it is I know God cannot contradict himself and the word of God cannot contradict itself. So we always know whatever's written in this word is truth no matter what, even if we don't always understand it because it's not, we weren't there. But uh, so... It's going to be Exodus 16 and Numbers 11. Uh, so, Jason actually talked about Exodus 16 some about a month ago when he was talking about uh, sticking to the plan. And he, he talked about it. And, uh, and then the last few weeks, not last week, we didn't, obviously we didn't meet here because of the ice, but before that we've been talking about being witnesses and how it's our responsibility to witness to people and to talk to people and bring them in. And that's that's on us. And uh and, and as we were worshiping, I was thinking of uh what's his name? Uh Eutychus. Eutychus and, and when Paul is preaching forever and ever and ever it seemed like to him, Eutychus got bored. Eutychus fell asleep and he fell out of the window and died. And uh Paul stops, goes over, raises him up, and begins to preach again. How many of you know that before Eutychus fell out of the window, what Paul was saying wasn't of great interest of Eutychus? He probably thought like, yeah, whatever, this guy's talking. But the moment that God did that, like when Paul went over and God raises him up, can you only imagine? He paid attention to every single word after that. Every word meant a little bit more to him after that moment. And uh, sometimes whenever, sometimes we got to get to the point to where what God's saying and doing means a little bit more to us. And uh, so I want us to remember that. I want us to remember sometimes we can just go through the motions or we can look at circumstances and think one thing. And, you know, Paul, when we read in Scripture, we think, you look at Paul, it seems like he never stopped talking. I think he outtalked me, and that's hard to do, you know. Like, like you could put me and Kevin in the same room, and Paul probably still outtalk us, and uh, that'd be hard to do. <laughs> it'd be hard to do, but 
is probably the way it was, and this kid's probably like I've seen it before, right? So I want to uh, I want to get into Exodus 16. I'm going to try to paraphrase a lot of this because Exodus 16 and Numbers 11 can go for a long time. Uh, so I'm going to paraphrase some of it so we can get through it. Uh, but let's pray to the Lord before we uh, get started. So Father God, I pray that you would just speak to us today, Lord. I pray that I would get out of your way, Lord, that anything that I would want to share would just be gone. That God, it wouldn't come out, but only your words, that your Holy Spirit would move, that your Holy Spirit is preparing us right now to receive your revelation, to receive your words, Lord. And I pray that not one heart would be unchanged when we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as Jason has shared a few weeks ago in Exodus 16, this is a month after, I think it's, I think it was a month right after they left uh, Egypt. And there's all these grumblings about food. There's, you know, we could have been better off there, these things, that. And then we come into, uh, man, I really should read all this probably because, you know, God's word's a little smarter than I am. And uh, when he speaks, it's a little better than what I can speak. And uh, that's why, that's why if you ever notice, I do use a lot of scripture because I'm not very smart, but scripture explains everything. And, uh. So, I'm at least going to read this first part so you know where we're at. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So, second month. Uh, So, now they're in the desert of Sin. And that's important because when we get the numbers, they're coming out of the desert of Sin. Okay? In the desert, the whole community grumbled. The whole community grumbled against Moses and there, and the Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hands in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. That's a harsh word towards God. And it's easy for us to say that, but how many times does something look different and we're like, why isn't it the way it was before? Right? We have two churches we're trying to grow. And if we're being honest, if I say, you know, I talked about us being witnesses and how it's our responsibility to grow this place. We know that we're called to the community here in Henderson. We know that we're to reach the people in Henderson. How many of you would admit that whenever that responsibility falls on your shoulders, it's a little overwhelming, right? You look at it and you're like, this is a tough task. I liked it better before. It was so much easier before. You know what? Before we weren't reaching the community. We were hanging out. We were serving the Lord. We were trying to do our best and we had a great fellowship of people, you know. But we have something here to share. God's doing something that we we weren't going to do on our own. We would have sat around our pots of meat and ate forever. And trust me, I love pots of meat. <laughs> men love meat. That's why our men's group so well. <laughs> we sit around and we eat. And that's what we like. We like to be comfortable. We like to eat. We like our stuff the way it was. And then when God says something different, you know, you kind of change. 
but we still got good stuff. They still had God with them. You know, Pastor Chad and I walked in here on Tuesday uh, of this week, and we both walk in, and, you know, you just feel that home. You feel that draw right when you walk in this room. It doesn't matter if anybody's in this building. You walk in this building, there's that draw. We still have God to share here. We still, God's not left this place. He's not, he's still with us. Right? So we, we don't have a reason to be overwhelmed, and we're going to talk about that. Um, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And here's some of the controversial parts of this here in a few minutes. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So, we know he does this. Uh, well, I'm going to keep going, but it just blows my mind whenever you see this whole mist come across the ground, and then it turns into bread, and somehow it's bread. I wish I could see that, and I hope one day I get that to look back at that, because this is the craziest thing ever. You know, whatever... Rains down today will be gone by the time the sun comes up. Anything I gather, I have plenty. I can eat it, but in the morning it'll it'll be rotten and it'll smell nasty. Unless it's on the, the day before the Sabbath, on the day six, somehow I can prepare it and it'll last for an extra day. Explain it to me. That's that's why they call it what is this? Manna. What is this? Right? I can't you can't you can't grasp this stuff. This is, this is God things, right? You can't, kind of like the way things look around here. This is God stuff. We can't explain it. When people ask you about it and you try to explain it, you're like, I know. You're thinking, what's going on here? Because that's the way God works. He don't want you to understand. He wants you to figure it out. He's going to show you, right? If I can explain what God's doing from the beginning, it's probably a me plan, not a God plan, right? But when God's doing something that you sit back in the end, and you're like, whoa. That really happened. Right? That's a God plan. So when man is raining down from heaven, that's not a man plan. That's a God plan. Because they're all sitting around, what is this? What is this, right? So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) How easy we forget. I mean, you know, Sea parts, you walk on a dry land, sea comes back over, kills everybody. You know, you're brought into safety. You got a guy who, who's been hiding in the woods for 40 years, can't speak properly, leading you out of this area. Like all these great things are happening, and then they still don't know it was God. Right? And he said, in the evening you'll know it. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has your heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Who are we that you should grumble against us? As Christians, we can also often look to leaders. We can look to other people. Uh, we'll look at our government. We'll look at anybody to blame them for what we don't like. It's always somebody else's problem. Right, and they're like, and and this is where they say, "Hey, who are we that you're giving us this kind of credit? Who are we that you should grumble against us?" Moses also said, "You will know that it was the Lord 
When he gives you meat to eat in the evening. This is one of those controversial things. When he gives you meat to eat in the evening. And all the bread you want in the morning because he had heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. When we're not seeing a great movement of the Lord and we're blaming men. Men can't make God move. We can seek the movement of God. We can pray for it. And I'll just give you a quick testimony. And it ain't my testimony. But I'm meeting with a guy Thursday. They're over there praying. I, I, I had a meeting and then afterwards a young man who was struggling with some stuff like great spiritual man. It wasn't spiritual things, just some, he was hurting. And we're sitting here and we're talking. Keevan walks out of prayer. Done with prayer. Walks into the room I'm at. Most of the time whenever I'm meeting with somebody, people look and they walk away quickly. You know, you're like, oh, that's awkward. Some reason, Keevan just walks right on in, big smile on his face, gives me a hug, and a young man asks Keevan, can I have a hug? Keevan hugs him. I don't know why Keevan felt drawn in there, but he did. And you could tell when he walked in, it was almost just like natural. But he just walked out of prayer to where God was speaking to his heart. And he was able to walk in and hug that young man. Keevan's gifting is hugging. You know, his gifting is people, loving people. It's what he does. And you, th- you think like, well, that's, that's simple. Keevan hugs people. But it was an unnatural circumstance. It's not something men do. Men don't walk in while other people are counseling and do that. If we replayed that scenario multiple times, actually I've counseled with people and keep him walk in and he's always tried to stay away from it. But that day he was felt the need to come in. You know what that did? Everything I said was okay for the man. Keevan's hugs, all he was thinking about the rest of that night. He kept bringing it up. Keevan just wrecked me. Keevan, wow, that guy. He came in like, I'm undone. I don't get it. Like all he could keep talking about, I don't know what it was. I don't understand it. It was just a hug. Keevan didn't give him any words of advice, nothing like that. He was just moving out of the spirit of the Lord. And God did something. Did something bigger than I could have ever done. Didn't make sense. I just know Keevan was walked in and knew he had to hug the guy. And then he told him he loved him. And he walked out. It was that simple. And sometimes we, we, we grumble about things and everything, but we've got to remember God has a plan that's bigger than ours. God has a plan that sometimes we don't pay attention to, right? All we have to do is be there. Now, I said the meat part is controversial. So what goes on next is we, we, see, that, we see that in the morning, manna's rained down. There's bread. And then it tells us in the... Afternoon, there was quail. There's enough quail for two per, per person. And we know that the quail came down. Later on, we're going to see that they didn't have any meat. So the controversial part here is a lot of people wonder where this quail was at, if it actually happened at that time. We have to remember, Moses is telling this these stories in Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, all them uh, numbers. These are all stories that are told at the end of his life as he's replaying what God was doing. 
We don't know if quail actually came down in that moment or if it came later. We just know God provided them with manna. God provided them with quail. Right? So you have to remember that. We don't know the actual layout. Moses is trying to recap all these stories of what God did. How it actually played out isn't what he's trying to do. He's not trying to give you the exact detail because if he gave you the exact detail, the story would take forever, right? So we have to remember that. So, uh, so Moses said, come before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling. I'm going to go down to uh, verse 17. He said, and this is right after, I'm going to 17, but this is right after uh, Moses tells them to take on set to take on the sixth day. Is this right? Yes. Gather as much as you need. And I'm actually going to skip even further down because I don't need all that. I'm going to go to verse 27. This is right after they're told to pick up all the food they need on the sixth day so they have plenty for Sunday. And if you don't, there'll be nothing on Sunday, or on Saturday, actually, the Sabbath day. There'll be nothing on the Sabbath day for you because it's all given to you the day before. They were told what they had to do. They were told what needed done. And then it says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. A lot of people went hungry. A lot of people were let down when they woke up the next day expecting to have food because they didn't listen. And God pours into us and He pours into us, but there's always those times that we have to go into His presence. We have to rest in His presence. We have to pray. We have to be ready. We have to gather what is needed for the next step. And sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we're not preparing. And then Moses says, hey, When are you guys going to listen? And sometimes we don't do that. We don't listen. We're not listening to the Lord. Instead, we still have these plans and like, it's what God's always done. You know, David only fell when he didn't pray before he went out and did what he needed to do. Right? He was always successful when he prayed and let God guide him. But he failed whenever he just kept doing what he always did. And sometimes we want to do what we've always done. And then God's like, hey. Are you not listening to me? It's my plan. Pray. Jesus said, I only do what I saw my Father in heaven doing. It said he withdrew often to the wilderness, often to, uh, to desolate places, often to pray to his Father. He was always in prayer. The reason why the apostles at the time couldn't do what Jesus was doing because they didn't know how to pray and they didn't take time to pray. Jesus was doing so much because he was always in prayer to his Father. And he was God, but that's why he wanted to be there. He was giving us that example of prayer will lead us to where we need to be. And I know it probably sounds like all you're doing is telling us what we're not doing. 
I promise you this will be encouraging. By the end, I believe the Lord will show us how we're going to change this community. Okay? And then, before we go into Numbers 11, I want to remind you, and we're going to go to Numbers 11 now, I want to remind you this. They've seen everything that happened. They came out of the wilderness. They've seen all this manna rain down, and all this manna's coming, and they have food provided for them. And God tells Aaron to take a jar, put manna in the jar, put it with the tablets, So people will always remember this. So the man is there for him to always pay attention to and remember what God did to him. So now we're going to Numbers 11, which is about a year, I believe right about a year after all this. Okay? And so in Numbers 11, it starts out, or we're going to be in verse 4, and it says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. That's a grumbling group. That doesn't mean everybody. That means there was a large crowd of people who were grumbling. I don't know if it was everybody or not. I tend to think it wasn't a whole group. And I'll tell you why later. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. This is where your controversial part comes. Because in Exodus 16, it said they had quail. Right? Also, controversial part is in number seven, they talk about all the sacrifices that they were doing of all the animals, right? They, they sacrificed somewhere around 300 animals, which probably wouldn't provide enough food for the whole group, but there were animals of some sort. So the reason why I think that it was just a group, as it says, and not everybody is I'm thinking some may have been eating meat, just the majority wasn't. That's what I think. I'm not positive. That's just my my take on that. Doesn't really matter. We just know there's grumbling, and they're saying we don't have meat to eat, even though you're providing us awesome stuff, and right, which we do. Whenever things aren't the way we want it, we grumble about it, and we're like, it could be better. It could be this, and God's like, do you not see what I'm doing, right? We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. These are the same grumblings they had one year ago. The same ones. Also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Right? This is why I don't think the quail may have been before. I think it was Moses' retelling that God provided manna and he provided quail. Maybe not in that moment at the exact same time, but he did provide it, right? Because they're like, all we get is this manna. It's kind of like kids whenever they're at home and they open up the cabinets and there's like food everywhere and they look in the refrigerator and there's food everywhere and they're like, there's nothing to eat, right? Nobody did that as kids and your kids never did that, right? Like, we have nothing to eat in the house. And you're like, what are you talking about? We have food everywhere. Yeah, but I don't want any of it. That's where they're at. You know, they're just being picky in there. You know, you could have had them, you know, they could have had ravioli and they would have been like, no. It wouldn't have mattered what God provided. They were going to grumble because sometimes that's our case. We just want to grumble. 
The manna was like coronary seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and the ground and ground it in the hand mill or crushed it into a mortar. They cooked it in a pot and made it into leaves. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people, every family, welling at the entrance of their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. Sometimes people can be so grumbling that the leaders were like, ah, man, why did God put this on me? Right? We're blessed. We got pretty good people here. I, you'll never hear me say we got bad people. I love who we have here. We, as Jason said before, we've had a very faithful group. But I just wanted you to let you know that there are people who were worse off than us, and God still used them. So that's where I'm going with this. I'm not saying I am... I am overjoyed with what God's doing with us here. So, um, He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servants? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms? And nurse, a nurse carries an... As a nurse carries an infant to the land you promise an oath to their ancestors. This is where I'm going to put it on us here. Okay. We didn't ask for where we're at right now. Right. God had a plan for Moses. Moses is just chilling in the wilderness. Right. He had a pretty good life probably. And God said, hey, remember that long time ago I told you. I showed you I was going to free my people and you, you decided to do it on your own and it didn't work. Well, now it's time, right? And then God tells him, go speak to the people. And he's still saying, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And God still said, you're the one, go do it. Here we are with two campuses. Nobody knew exactly how that was going to happen. We definitely didn't know it was going to happen now. We knew we had a rem- we had an idea that one day we'd be two campuses. But we would have done it a long, well, probably a long ways in advance, uh, 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 in the future. We wouldn't have done it in that time period. But God said, go do this. Right? God's been telling us forever to reach this community. We did one outreach pro- program, or one outreach thing in this community, and it, it was good. You know, it was a good thing, but we only did one. But God keeps telling us what we need to be doing. And he said, we're going to do this. And then, like Moses, sometimes we could sit there and be like, God, why would you put this on me? It's not my burden. It's your plan. Why are you putting it on me? It's your plan. I didn't conceive these people. This is your community. I don't know how to reach them. They're your people. How do we talk to them? What do we do? We're a small number of people here. Who wants to see everybody in this community saved? How do we do it? So Moses is saying, God, what do you want me to do? There's 600,000 men, which means there's probably at least a million and a half to two million people total. Grumbling, crying out. And Moses is like, what do you want me to do? Did I conceive all these people? Of course he didn't. There was millions of people. 
But sometimes we get overwhelmed by a small amount of people. And here he is dealing with this. And, and Moses starts crying to the Lord, what do you want me to do? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat. I cannot carry all these people to, by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how we are going to treat, you're going to treat me, please go, please go ahead and kill me. Anybody bold enough to talk to God like that? I always like that the ones who are closest to the Lord speak the boldest. They're comfortable enough with Him to tell Him their heart. And sometimes we're scared to tell God our heart because we're afraid of the answer. Right? Not Him. Go ahead and kill me. If I found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. So He's saying, look, Lord, if you love me, kill me. Take me away. I don't want to deal with this. I like that. That's a man who's honest. I am overwhelmed, God. I'm done. It's your plan. It's your, your responsibility. Get me out of here. You take care of it. I've been there. I promise you I've been there. I've been sitting there. I've sat there at times saying, Lord, there's just too much stuff. If you want it done, you better take and do it because I can't do it. And I say I've been there. I've been there many times over the last few months. I promise you, I, I have a lot of stuff going on, right? I will promise you, and you'll never hear me complain about it because I love it, but I work about 50 hours a week. We have two church campuses, and I still have Barnabas Ministries. There's a little bit of stuff going on. But I also have more help than I've ever had in my life. I mean, the leaders we have now, it's unbelievable. Right? The people doing stuff is unbelievable. We have more responsibility than ever, but we're more blessed than ever. Sometimes we're grumbling because we used to have all these pots of meat to eat. We used to have this. We used to have all these big gatherings. We used to have all this big... Guess what? Times have changed. Times have changed. If you, if you walk into anywhere and you don't realize something's changed... God's trying to get our attention and saying, hey, I don't want to do it the way we used to do it. Things have changed, and we're sitting around, and we're like, God, we're overwhelmed. Take it from us. We don't want to be a part of that. You know what happens? And I wasn't going to get into this, but we talked about this at men's group yesterday. You know what happens whenever people feel overwhelmed or people feel uh, they don't agree with something in a church? They do the same thing they do everywhere else. They leave. But that's never God's plan. God calls us to a place to stay there and to make a difference. You wouldn't leave your family. I say that. Some people would leave their family. But it's never God's plan to leave your family. And a church is a lot healthier when we don't leave one another, but we stay and we fight through it and we work through it and we gather together and we work through it. Moses is just grumbling. Moses is going to do whatever God calls him to do. He ain't saying, Lord... Take me somewhere else. He's saying, God, just take me home. He wasn't going to leave the people. And I tell you what, Moses probably had more responsibility in that moment than any of us have ever had in our lives. All of us combined. He's taking these people to a place he don't even know where it exists. 
I mean, that's, I look at our community and I think, I don't know how we're going to reach it, but I know it exists. I see our community. Moses didn't. And I don't know how much of this we're going to go through totally, but I am going to share verse 16 and we're going to move through this. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. It wasn't a one-man thing. I don't believe any of this was all about meat. I believe God was trying to get these people to where more of them were doing things. I think God was trying to get their them focusing on the one who's actually doing things. Sometimes we can get so focused on, you know, I just had the same thing over and over, and God's just like, why are, you, why are you not crying out to me? Why are you not stopping and talking to me? Why are you not praying? Why are you not? The moment that Moses went to him and said, all right, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. God said, yeah, I got a plan. But Moses had to ask. He had to stop. If you ever noticed, uh, Jethro had to come to him before. Hey, this is how you do leadership. Because Moses would just do everything himself. And he would feel overwhelmed. But he had to keep being told how to do it right. The people knew there was more. There was something different. But all they were doing was grumbling about it. When they could have just stopped and prayed and said, Lord, we want more. Lord, there has to be more. And God says that to us. He's just waiting for us to say, God, there's more. We want it, right? He's wanting to anoint 70 people with the same anointing as our pastor has. He wants to give 70 people the anointing to lead others. What if everybody sitting in this room had the anointing poured upon them to serve our community? We pray that something would happen, but do we seek that anointing? Do we pray for that anointing? Do we just, do we cry out for it? They were crying out for meat, but really what they were wanting was God's plan. They were wanting whatever God had for them. They knew it was bigger than sitting there eating bread every day. And we know there's something bigger than what we do all the time. There's something bigger, but we have to cry, we have to actually hurt for it. Sometimes we grumble about it, but we're not hurting for it. We're not... We're not saying, Lord, what is that? And we don't, I don't know. It, sometimes you have to fall out of a window for God to get your attention. Sometimes you've got to hit the bottom. And some of us haven't hit the bottom yet. But we have to. We have to know there's more. We have to want that more. We have to want to do more. We are witnesses. Even if we're poor witnesses at time, we're witnesses. And anytime somebody realizes you're a Christian, they're watching. Anytime. 
You will not eat for just one day or two days or five days, ten or even twenty, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. You have welled before him saying, why, do you, why did we ever leave Egypt? God don't want us complaining about where we came from. He don't want us focusing on the past. If they would have just came to him and said, Lord, could we have more meat? Lord, what, what else is there for us? Instead of saying, all right, we give up. We want to go back. He wouldn't have been hurt. We have to stop looking at the past. We have to stop looking at what we had. We have to look at what God's wanting to do. You know, if you ask anybody, hey, if you could go back before coronavirus, would you do it? Almost everybody says, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to go back. We had too many problems before coronavirus. We were too caught up in ourselves. We were too comfortable. Everything was too easy for us. We just went through the motions. Now we realize there's an issue. We just don't know how to get to where we need to go. Now we realize that, wait a minute, there's a lot. This is messy. What we have to do is consecrate ourselves. What we have to do is pray. We have to cry out to the Lord for quail, for meat. Not, I want to go back to where I was. But God, where's the more? What do you want to do? We have to cry out. But I liked it before. Guess what? God didn't, I guess. I don't know. He thought there was a need for change. Because God always does something new. We can get stuck. Like, we're like, oh, that was good. Let's just do that every day. God's like, no. That was good. Now let's go to the next good thing. And then to the next good thing. And then the next good thing. Instead of staying in the repeating what I did. Kind of like Moses whenever he got in trouble because... You know, God did a good thing through him, and then he tried to do it again, and God said, now, guess what? You ain't going to the promised land now, right? We'll make it the promised land, but we got to keep doing a new thing. we got to let him do the new thing. And I know, I, trust me, I get it. It's overwhelming when you think, how are we going to reach this community? It's going to happen. He'll use us or he'll use the next generation, but he's going to do it. And I'm talking to churches, leaders all over the place. I'm blessed that through Barnabas I get to connect with other churches, but then all over I see people and I talk to them. And you know what? Almost every church is going through the same kind of things we're going through right now. That tells me it's not a wellspring thing. It's a God thing. Right? God wouldn't allow everybody to go through the exact same thing. If he wasn't going to do a new thing. And every one of them are praying right now. Every one of them are seeking the Lord. And some of them, some of them are at a point that they want to give up. Some of them are at a point that they just say, I don't know, this is, this is stupid, I don't like it. But then there's those other ones who are looking and they're saying, God's doing something. Right? I'm talking to people right now who who want us as a church to come alongside them and do stuff together. They're realizing that the reason why ministry isn't working is because we try to do it ourselves. And we try to keep everybody out. And we try to, we have a good thing. Let's keep it. God's like, no, I'm the good thing. 
right? Not you, me. That's what God's trying to tell us. Moses goes through and they, they bring everybody together. And uh, quail comes down. They have plenty of food. Uh, God pours out a spirit on all the elders. 68 of them were there. 68 of them were there. There were 70 of them, but 68 of them were there where Moses was at. They all start prophesying. The Holy Spirit's upon them. And they only prophesied for a time period, but two of them weren't there. They were actually over with the people. And they started prophesying. They, they were prophesying, and Joshua was mad because they weren't with them. And Moses said, hey, they're still the ones God's using, right? So God wants to pour his anointing upon us. And Tracy, you can come on up. Uh, God wants to pour his anointing upon us. But we can't be focused on everything else. We can't be focused on who's doing what, where. We have to focus on what God wants to do with us. We got to focus on God pouring out his anointing on us. There's plenty of anointing to go around. You know, God is bigger than everything. And his Holy Spirit can, could truly fill everybody in this entire world and he's still complete Holy Spirit. Right? There's not just a little bit of anointing for me, a little bit for Jason and then Keevan and No, that anointing's full for everybody. And that same anointing is just as powerful as everybody because the Holy Spirit cannot be less. He can't be it's not like Ariel has a little bit of anointing in her. No, she has a full anointing. The Holy Spirit's full. He can't he don't Take a piece of him out and put us in it. It's a full anointing. But we have to pray for the anointing. We have to seek for God to do something. And we have to want it. We have to be desperate. We have to be honest with God. Moses was honest. When I look at Moses... I see how he talked to God, or if I see how David talked to God, Peter, all them, how they talked to God, they were honest. There was no holding back. There was no, oh God, I wish. I just wish you knew what I meant, what I was thinking. Or no, they're like, God, kill me now. Why did you do this to me? Right? We can do that. Lord, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I don't understand how you want me to do any of this. But if you're not going to do it, then take it away from me. I have prayed that a lot. Kevin's prayed it with me. <laughs> We've prayed these things because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what to do half the time. I've been doing ministry for a lot of years now. Guess what? I've never knew what I was doing. I'm just as dumb today as I was the first day I stepped into ministry. And that is a truth. That is 100% true. Because if you you know, if you've ever asked me, what, what is going on, what are we doing? I usually say, I don't know. Because it's true. But God still used me. Because I'm just dumb enough to think He can. 
So I'm going to pray here in a minute. But this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that if you want to be, and don't feel like you're going to be judged if you don't, but if you want that anointing, I want you to come up to the altar. If you want that anointing to pour upon you, 70 elders, if he can do it with 70 elders, he can do it with this congregation right here. He can pour that anointing upon us to be the leaders of this community. Right? We can do that because Scripture tells us we can't. He will pour that anointing upon us. We will receive that anointing. You may prophesy. You may do whatever, but we know the gifts of the Holy Spirit will pour upon us. And God will use them. So this altar is going to be open as I pray. And then I want you to seek the Lord. Right? And as I said, don't feel like you have to. I'm just going to say the anointing will be poured out. So I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I thank you that just like Moses, God, we are at a point to where we are thinking we can't do this, Lord. You called us to two communities. You called us to a work that is far bigger than us, Lord. We often look back, God, and we want meat. We want our cucumbers. We want our leeks, Lord. We want what we had before, God, but God, you said that's not for us, God. So we want to pray, Lord, that this anointing that you poured upon the the Israelites, Lord, these leaders, God, we're, we're seeking it, Lord. We're desperate for it, Lord. We don't know what to do without you. We can't reach this community without you, Lord. So, Father God, I pray that your anointing would pour upon us. Father God, I pray that as we seek you and we praise you and we we cry out to you today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon us, God. Undo us, Lord. We need you, Father God. Your plans, Lord. say worship you guys pray as I'm going to be praying we need that anointing we uh we've been doing church this way now for three months flies by, but the Lord's about to open His place up fully again. We're about to go to two full services at both places. How does that look? I don't know. But if we're going to reach this community, it's going to take us. Right? God's not done here. He didn't tell us to keep this location open up an Evansville location because he wants this place to be gone. He did it because he wants to reach both communities. I think he did it because he wanted to spark us at the importance of reaching both communities. How dire it is that we reach here. We have some of the best people in the world right here in this building right now in my opinion some of the most loving people in the world. 
people who have a true heart for God right here. You know what Moses had? A bunch of grumblers. Imagine if Moses had people whose heart were set on God just like we do here. May not have took 40 years to get where they're going. So I want you to be encouraged in that. That God's going to do it. We just have to pray and we have to seek. and We have to be willing. We have to be ready. You don't have to have all the answers. I never do. I never have the answers. But God does. And we seek Him and we pray. And we be led by Him. And we don't hold back what He can do. When He says, go do this, just do it. You may feel silly at first. You'll get used to it. Some of us are pretty good at looking silly. But when God moves and He uses you, and people are like, wow, God's doing a work in you, you'll be like, really? I don't know. I feel kind of silly. It's okay. Let Him do what He needs to do. Moses looked silly a lot. Now that we read about Him, He looks pretty awesome what God did in him. So, be encouraged. Be encouraged that when we think about witnessing, when we think about reaching the community, it may seem overwhelming. But it's okay. If we seek the Lord, He'll do it. He will do it. Alright? So, I'm going to close this in prayer. Father God, I thank You, Lord, for who You are, Lord. I thank You for this group of people here, Lord. Thank You for Your awesome plans. I thank you for overwhelming us with things that we can't do on our own. You do far bigger and better things than we could ever plan out, Lord. Our dreams do not compare to your realities, Lord. God, as we seek you, as we call out to you, as we're honest with you and bold with you, Lord, we ask you to do miracles. We ask that you grow this place, Lord, that your community in this area, Lord, would just be so touched by what you're going to do. God, let your Holy Spirit just ignite those gifts in us that you're going to use for this community. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Use us to bless yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.